This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. From Gimlet Media, this is The Nod. I'm Eric Eddings. And I am Brittany Luce. So when I was six years old, every Monday night, uh, me and my family, we'd have a dinner of baked chicken, white rice, microwave steamed broccoli, same thing, every Monday. And then immediately after that, we would go and we would all kind of pack into the couch. We would gather around the television and my big sister would kind of shut us all up and get all of us to quiet down. And then through the television speakers. Yes, y'all know this song. My family and I, we were about to take in that masterwork of television, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, so y'all know, Fresh Prince, it's like a 90s sitcom classic. You know, a misbehaving teen in West Philadelphia, sent across the country to live with rich family in L.A., hijinks ensue, yada, 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 you know. It's iconic yes. black television. Yes, it's iconic American television, mm. world television, universe Galaxy Milky Way television. Like, it's just a family show of the highest order. It's true. I agree. So, my absolute favorite character on Fresh Prince was Hillary, Will's oldest cousin. Mm-hmm. She was just the flyest. Yeah. Bomb hats. When I was a kid, like, Hillary was like a unicorn to me. She was this rich, cool black girl from L.A., and she was always impeccably dressed, and she always had a boyfriend, very popular. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the things you value as a child, right? <laughs> but, but, but she wasn't a sidekick. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of black girls on TV are. Okay, she was a total spoiled brat. Yeah. But as a black girl in a really white suburb, I, I wanted to see a character like that, you know? Yeah, that was, I mean, that even that was like rare. I have been stabbed in the back. Is nothing sacred? Is there like no honor? <laughs> Baby, what's the matter? Francesca asked me to be a bridesmaid at her wedding. And? Well, what do you mean, and? She expects me to take care of the rice they throw when they leave the church. Like I'm going to learn how to cook just for her wedding. Her character was confident, she was stylish, and she was unapologetically self-celebrating and entitled in this way that was actually kind of refreshing. And she never had to work a day in her life. Well... Until she did. I'm home. Carlton, get the camera. I want a picture of me opening my first paycheck. <laughs> Congratulations, baby. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm so excited. Here it goes. Don't you all feel like a part of history? <laughs> what? <laughs> Federal taxes? This is 
speech. Didn't President Bush say no new taxes? But federal taxes aren't new. Well, they are to me. Who is this FICA guy? Okay, so flash forward, like, more than 20 years. You know, Fresh Prince is on reruns. It's in syndication, like, literally everywhere where there are people with TVs. But I was curious about what happened to the woman who played Hillary. Her name is Karen Parsons, and it turns out she's working on something really cool. I climbed in this box and have hidden inside disguised as a package, just taking a ride. I'm heading north where no man's bought or sold. You see... Freedom's more precious than gold. That's a scene from her movie. Yes, the woman who played Hillary is now making movies. In 2005, she actually started an organization called Sweet Blackberry. The nonprofit creates animated shorts about little-known Black history figures. And they're kind of like kids' books come to life, like really bright, colorful, with beautiful illustrations. And they're narrated by stars like Queen Latifah and Chris Rock. The first film she made, which was narrated by actress Alfre Woodard, is about Henry Box Brown, an enslaved man who hid in a box to mail himself to the North, to freedom. Well, I know I will nap, and I know I'll sing loud. I'll run very fast and jump high, touch a cloud. But what else, they all ask. What is it to be free? I don't think I know. But soon, I will see. I was born into slavery. It's all that I know. What it means to be free, the future will show. So y'all know Eric and I, we love talking about how kids think about blackness. Like, for me, Hillary made me feel like I at least had the option to be cool. You know, which sounds small, but she offered me an alternative image of a girl like myself. And now Karen, with her films, she's doing something similar. She's she's offering a whole new generation of kids an alternative way of looking at their own history. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So we got Karen in the studio to find out how she went from playing a notorious Valley girl to teaching kids about Black history. And what happens when they ask her the hard questions? Plus, we put her up to a pretty nutty challenge. But first, we had to ask the obvious. We were wondering, who do you think Hillary Banks's favorite Black history figure would be? Ooh, uh, Madam C.J. Walker. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. Of course. Because she was the first Black female millionaire. Millionaire, yeah. Basically popularized the hot comb and like all sorts of— Straightening products. Oh, Yeah. yeah. No, she had bread. All from hair. Yeah. All from hair. Isn't that crazy? All from here. It was funny though. On, um, I mean, toward the, the end though, toward the end of Fresh Prince, uh-huh. I had my hair both straight and curly, but mostly my right. hair was curly in the show. And early in the, sh- I think it was the first season. I thought, and I think, uh, I think the hairstylist on the show agreed with me that at that time Hillary would have had straight hair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we tried to do her hair straight once, <laughs> and I was on the set. And we did a scene. I was a real small, like Hillary usual, usually like you know, few lines and I'm out. Yeah. You know, quickly. And the um, producers of the show ran up to me afterward, and they were like, don't ever do that again. We had no idea who you were. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everything they thought. They were, like, trying to figure out if it was, like, a date for Will. Like, did they have a girl in there for Will? They were trying to figure out what was going on. They were like, who is that? And then they realized it was Hillary. 
around. You can't can't recognize but you. But the brand is strong. Yeah, that means I the guess brand was so. strong. I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm just curly head. Like yeah. you don't know, you don't see anything <laughs> else. All right. Okay, so now that we've got our Fresh Prince gossip out of the way, we want to know, like, what what made you want to start Sweet Blackberry? I just wanted to get little-known stories of African-American achievement to kids because my mother was a librarian, and um, she headed the Black Resource Center where she worked and would come across really interesting stories, and she would share them with me. And this is when I was doing Fresh Prince, and she told me the story of Henry Box Brown, mm. the mm-hmm. enslaved man who literally mailed himself to freedom in a box across state lines. When they opened it, he was free. It was such a crazy story, and... I had never heard of it, and then I told my friends, and my friends hadn't heard of it. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is just nuts. This is like a man in a, in a box. The whole thing is like such a kid's book to yeah. me. And so I kept making notes because I thought, I want to make a series of books for kids. <laughs> and I'd forget about it for, you know, go back and forth with that for a while over the years. And then when I was pregnant with my first child, I started thinking a lot about you know, what do they teach kids in school? And what do mm-hmm. I have to teach her? What do I have to make sure she learns? And what's my duty as a parent? What do I have to supplement? And I started talking about Henry Box Brown a lot and the idea. And my husband has always thought it was a really good idea. And he's like, you need to stop talking about it. You just start, you know, doing it. Just figure out a way to do it. And um, next thing you know, I, w- I was doing them as films instead of books because I— I could, I, at the time, self-publishing um, wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as easy. But I knew I could make a movie. So that's how it kind of became these films. And so now the Sweet Blackberry, fil- it's a film series. And uh, the whole idea is to teach children that um, tremendous obstacles are actually opportunities for greatness. Mm. So we also know that you visit schools. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Um I'd go to schools across the country and I screen the films for them. And we do really long, interesting Q&A sessions because kids are really funny. (laughs) And they ask really good questions and they stump me all the time. (laughs) Kids get you. They will ask, like with Henry Box Brown. Mm -hmm. It it seems like every single time, every audience, one kid will ask the heartbreaking question, which is, did he ever see his family again? They always seem to, did he ever see his family again? No. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, and when I wrote, when I sat down after all those years of wanting to write that story and wanting to start the series, when it came time to write it, I was like, what am I thinking? This this is a you know a slavery story for yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You know, I, and I didn't know how far to go, how much to disclose, how much to hold back. You know, when we were doing the film itself, like there was a picture of a, of a man holding a whip, like, well, do we make a sound with the whip or is that too frightening? Mm. You know, it was, there was so much kind of like negotiating, but I don't want to lie about it. I want them to know. But, you know, the older kids are funny. The older kids are like, how'd you make that movie? How'd you do, you know, they wanted to know how, they always yeah, get right details. down to that. Yeah. yeah, how did you do that? And did you, what, what kind of camera did you use for this part? And did you, what did you do for editing this? And Wait, so who else? I, I, I know that um I know that you guys have done Harry Box Brown. Yeah. Like tell us some more about you know, some of the other figures that you guys have talked we about. We did um the story of inventor Garrett Morgan. Mm-hmm. And it was it focused on him and the traffic signal. Um and then this then we did our last story, which is yeah. Janet Collins, mm-hmm. um, the story of the first black prima ballerina. I first found out about her by reading her obituary. That's Gosh. how I first found out who she was. And uh 
I mean, she was such an incredible woman. She was asked to dance by the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, the Russian ballet, to dance with them, and which was unprecedented at the time. However, they said she'd have to paint her face white. Mm-hmm. And wow. she was 15, and she said no. And um, she went on to work really hard, and she ended up becoming um, the first black prima ballerina. And uh, hopefully more people will come to know who she is. Yeah. I was, like, reading through and reading about these people, and, like, I was just even shocked. I'm like, dang, I wanted to know more. I, I think I had the same <laughs> yeah. experience as you. My, like, it, everything was, like, packed into, like, one chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the Black History chapter. You did it during Black History Month. Yes. Right. And then the rest of the year, it was like, we've never heard of these people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, the thing that's one of the things that I think that's very frustrating for me. And mind you, you know, our next film I plan on launching it during Black History Month. I have mm-hmm. nothing against Black History yeah. Month. Yeah, yeah I see her. But um, I think it's also really important to teach children early about uh, all of these incredible contributions to our history and to our country by black Americans that we don't hear about. If they learn this stuff early, I think that it changes the landscape of race for them. If they can recognize their value or their neighbor's value in by seeing this and seeing how, how we all contributed and are part of the fabric of this country instead of just hearing, you know, in February in a really short month that they're like, you know, a yeah. handful of black people mm-hmm. that did something. Because then the message is like, oh, every now and then a special black person comes along and does something great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Barack Obama, yeah. yay, special black man. You know what I mean? It, it's, you know, there's just so many people to learn about and Black History Month is not, cut it, it's not enough <laughs> for us. <laughs> After the break, we are going to have Karen Parsons tell us a Black history story, Nod style. And be warned, Karen Parsons is about to eat a whole lot of peanut butter. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. So what we have decided to do today, (laughs) given that we have such an auspicious... Guest. Yes. Somebody who's so celebrated for so long. (laughs) We were like, what would be a better sign of respect than to make her eat copious amounts of peanut butter? Yes. And try to tell us a story. Like, really put that professional training to work. So one story that you're working on Mm -hmm. uh, is about Bessie Coleman. Yeah, Bessie Coleman. First black female aviator. Yes. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of just... Asking you to to tell us about Bessie Coleman, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you would do a great job. Fine of. job. Uh, we're actually going to play one of our favorite games. 
it's a tribute to Black history figures who should be known at least as well as George Washington Carver. Peanuts, butter, history. George Washington Carver was the wizard of the soil. George Washington Carver was the most well-known African-American of his day. During his lifetime, Carver extracted more than 300 products from the peanut. There is one product that many mistakenly attribute to him. Peanut butter. So your challenge is to tell us Bessie Coleman's story in four minutes or less while you are eating as much peanut butter as physically possible. <laughs> so You're excited about that, right? I'm thrilled. Yes. I can see it all over your face. <laughs> oh my God. Just for those of you who can't see right now. I mean, there's it's like it's like leaps and bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Flips. What am I doing? Do what am I doing here? <laughs> do you eat a lot of peanut butter on the regular? I, I'm more of an almond butter kind of well, girl. It's like, like a treat. <laughs> it's I a like treat. peanut butter. You, you change it up. It's not a party if it happens every day. So to get in the mood, why don't you go ahead and open that jar? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think you should open it wider because you're going to need to go in there a lot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Here you go. <sighs> All right. So... Before we get started, All right. let's get one really big scoop of peanut butter on that spoon. You look so thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> you can do this. It's not a teaspoon, everybody. It's, it's one of the big tablespoon jobs. Yeah. It's like a ladle, it's basically. Big, it is like yeah. a ladle. <laughs> All right. So you've got your you've got your peanut butter on the spoon. Prina, are you ready with the time? Mm-hmm. I've got four minutes on the clock. All right. Mm-hmm. On your marks. Yeah. Get set. Go. Okay. So, Bessie Coleman Mm -hmm. was born in Atlanta, Texas Mm -hmm. in 1892. And she was the 10th child of 13 kids. Wow. Uh, Her her mother was African-American. Her father was African-American and Cherokee. Yeah. So, age 23, Miss Thing went to Chicago to live with her brother, who had been fighting in World War One, and she ended up working as a manicurist, and and she ended up hearing all these stories about oh god, this is so gross. Hearing <laughs> <laughs> all these stories about women fl- aviators and all these daredevil aviators in World War One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I said? <laughs> it's a big topic in the nail salon. <laughs> Um, but so her brother teased her about how, like, oh, you're never going to do that because you're a black woman. And blah, blah, blah. he teased her about it. And she was really fascinated by the whole idea. But then that just presented a challenge to her. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> you got it. You're doing great. You're doing great. She tried to find a place that would teach her, and she couldn't find any school that would teach her how to fly. And so her, she had become friends with a lot of community Leaders in Chicago, including Robert Abbott, mm-hmm. who was the um, publisher of the Chicago Defender, which was the largest African American newspaper in the country. Wow! Mm-hmm. And he suggested we're halfway halfway done. Okay. Tell us about Robert. What so you, what he you... suggested she go to France. He said, "You go there. They are less sexist. They are less racist, and they are the head of, of aviation right now." And so he said, "I will help pay for you." And so he and another businessman. 
um, sponsored her trip because they really were were bent on seeing an African American woman become a pilot. And she took her, she took her money. She took her money. Her money that she had saved from her manicurist job, along with the money that from the sponsors, and she went to Europe. And she, in seven months, she she learned how to fly, and she earned her international pilot's license uh, from the Fédération Aéronautique Internationale. Oh man, you said That's that so French. clear. That was I think amazing. You need more clear Peter French. Fédération Aéronautique Internationale still sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> It was the first African-American woman or woman of Native American descent to receive that. And also, it wow. was two years before Amelia Earhart would receive her international pilot's license. That's amazing. Wow. How's that? Yeah. Uh, we got, we are, uh, you got about one minute left. All right, so quickly, I'll say she came back and she was a big celebrity and she was very ambitious and she liked all the celebrity and everything. So she decided she wanted to do air shows. She was known as Queen Bess and she would perform and she would do parachuting and diving and wing walking. But she leveraged her power and her position to make sure that um, she only played for, I don't know, <laughs> only if the crowd was desegregated and if the black people could come in the same place as the white people came in. But, um, unfortunately, in, on April 30th, 1926, Bessie ended up um, dying in an accident. Oh, no. Ironically, she was not flying. Oh. She was preparing for a parachute jump, and her mechanic and publicity agent was at the at the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the engine failed, and Bessie was thrown from the plane. It was two thousand feet above the oh ground. So horribly tragic, obviously. Oh. But her, as we know, her legacy goes on, and we are doing our best. One more bite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To keep Bessie's story alive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is. Can I do it? That was Bessie beautiful. Is so proud. That was beautiful. <laughs> I did she it for you, Bessie. That. You know, I'm serious. Yuck. <laughs> when when you see Bessie's pictures, she's like she's so cute and she's got this big smile and she's got mm-hmm. so much energy. She was only 34 years old, I think, when oh she died. Oh my gosh. And um you do I do anyway. I look at her and you you know, I don't abstract her like she's just, just, it's like a black and white picture of somebody that I can't relate to. Or mm-hmm. you look at her like she's this real passionate young person doing this thing in front of you. And she she really does in, inspire you, you know? Yeah. And you think about what she was doing. Like I was saying, honestly, if she was around now and you heard about her, she'd be all over Facebook. People would be like, yeah. you know who this girl is? You know who this mm-hmm. woman is who's who went to France and did this and that and that because they wouldn't let her, you know. She was she was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, seriously, for for coming and telling us thank about Bessie Holman. Yes. Thank just, you. I feel like I've learned so much. You've been like, educated today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. gonna go home and and try to relay this to to my kid. Good. Well, there's this thing that we do when we get to the end of a peanut butter history segment. Was this a jelly now? I gotta like yeah. eat a big jar of jelly. <laughs> we don't do jelly around yeah. these parts. George I don't Washington know. Carver didn't do jelly. Oh yeah, so yeah. We, 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 he didn't we, do jelly. Okay. No, 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 no. We don't. We try not to support gelatin like that, but. <laughs> We try to keep it vegan-friendly around here. But um, usually what we do is we welcome this person, the person that we've just told the story about, into the peanut butter pantheon, oh. which is where they are lifted up. Yes. Up, you know what I'm saying, into the leagues of a George Washington Carver. Yes. So usually we say it together. Would you say it with us? Okay. Right. So, Bessie Coleman. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the peanut, peanut butter pantheon. Butter pantheon. <laughs> 
was beautiful. That was good. That was Thank strong. You. you did good. And you, you did don't, great. You don't look sick. You wait, no. wait, I'm going to walk out of here? <laughs> no, when I did it the first and time. You guys are going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, Karen. <laughs> you uh, actually got through like. No, you didn't get like half a jar. Half the jar. Don't make me sick. <laughs> Don't well, make me sick. I start well, feeling it like hit me like uh, right in here. Struggle like, is a small yeah. sacrifice for the culture. Talking to Karen Parsons was like, I mean, I can't even describe how great it was. Like, you know, they always say like, don't meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed. Karen Parsons is somebody who like actually lived up to and exceeded the hype. She's awesome. She was so cool. She was so fun. She ate half a jar of peanut butter in the name of black history. So few people would do that. To watch her films, go to sweetblackberry.org. The Bessie Coleman film is coming out soon, so watch that space. And to see pictures from our interview with Karen, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Go to gimletmedia.com slash newsletter to sign up. The Nod is produced by me, Eric Eddings, with Brittany Luce, Kate Parkinson Morgan, and Emmanuel Berry, with production assistance from Wallace Mack. Our senior producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. We are edited by Annie Rose Strasser. Engineering from Cedric Wilson. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasuka. Special thanks to M.R. Daniel. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Additional music in the show by Talkstar. Talkstar.